We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much for listening, for watching, for following, for subscribing. I appreciate it more than you could ever know. I am in a really, really good mood right now, primarily for for two reasons. Today's going to be 2024 State of the Buffalo Bills, the happy version, which is one of the two good reasons, or one of the two reasons I should say why I'm in such a good mood right now. Yesterday's episode, same deal, uh, state of the 2024 Buffalo Bills. However, that was the sad version. That shit was doom and gloom. That was gray skies. That was the sun ain't never going to come out and shine again. That was the kind of episode that was by design. Everything negative about the Buffalo Bills going on right now with that organization. Today, polar opposite. Today is good vibes only. The happy version, state of the 2024 Buffalo Bills. So that's got me in a really good mood. Also, what's got me in a really good mood, at least as I record this right now, this is the final of a a batch of Talking Buffalo episodes that's been pre-recorded well in advance of when you actually listen to them or watch them. As I'm sure almost all of you know by now, I have been on a vacation for the last week, went down to Florida, went on the first cruise that I've ever been on in my life. Obviously, I can't tell you how that went because I'm recording this before I even went down to Florida and went on the cruise. But anyway, this is the last of uh, the pre-recorded episodes. I can't sit here and tell you how I feel about the Super Bowl because again, I don't know because it hasn't happened yet. As I record this, um, thoughts on the cruise, the vacation, all that stuff, things that might have happened. And surely, so I'm sure some shit definitely went down with Buffalo, with Buffalo sports while I've been gone. But anyway, I wanted to have content for you every day in my absence. So I came up with uh, a list of, of things to be able to talk about. Some of them were pre recorded interviews. I know that we had Don Tibbetts on. Over the past week from Channel 7, 
Uh, Sarah Holland from Channel 4 had episodes with her. Had a couple episodes with Pucks. We did a, a Bills season-ending award show. We did a Sabres um, mid-season award show. Kind of stuff that wasn't so much time-sensitive, including this one. So anyway, maybe a couple things happened since I recorded this that involved the Buffalo Bills directly. And if I'm not talking about it, at least if it's good news anyway, and I'm not talking about it on today's episode, just so you know, it's because I am recording ahead of time. Anyway, on that note, let's not waste any time. Let me give you my daily, every time I do a solo episode, this isn't going to be a long episode. And then it ends up being longer than I want. One of these times though, I'm going to get that shit right. But anyway, today, like I said, good vibes only, man. Feeling good. You're a Buffalo Bills fan out there watching or listening, and you want to be optimistic after the disappointment of losing in the AFC Divisional Round for a third straight year. I'm going to give you some good reasons to be happy, some reasons to be optimistic, some reasons to feel good about not just the future of the Buffalo Bills, but also the present. And uh, this is going to be kind of like in sort of random order, not necessarily most important to least important. These are just my own personal opinions here, my takes, my reasons why it is good to be a Buffalo Bills fan right now and why you should feel good about the state of this team, the state of this roster, the state of this organization, and just going forward. So let's get cooking right now. I, I can't wait, man. This is it's a lot more fun to talk about the good than the bad. And, you know, I said on yesterday's show, mom and dad used to always say, you want the, the, the good news or the bad news first? And I always would pick the bad news. Get it over with. So that we could have some good news to, uh, to leave that conversation with. So anyway, on that note, let's get cooking here. Right at the top, I have for me the fact that the Bills have so many more weapons right now at this time this year than they had at this time a year ago when the season ended. Young ones. Dalton Kincaid, James Cook, Khalil Shakir, these guys all look like breakout stars right now for the Buffalo Bills. A great reason to be excited about the future of this offense. Uh, we'll start with James Cook. 1,122 rushing yards last year, 4.7 yards per carry for the season, ended up being fourth in the entire NFL in rushing. And I think back to last offseason, like maybe a year or so ago at this time, we didn't know what was going to happen with the Bills. Devin Singletary was going to be a free agent. Were the Bills going to bring in a guy who would carry the load alongside James Cook? Like, would they have a, a bell cow running back? There was a lot of talk about a year or so ago about potentially trading for Travis Henry. Would James Cook continue to be that complimentary back, the guy who would catch the ball out of the backfield and run the ball a little bit? Or would he take on more of a feature role? Well, we certainly got that answer. Fourth in the NFL in rushing. That is not something when we were go doing training camp episodes, season preview episodes. I don't think there are a lot of people out there that would have projected James Cook to be among the top four in the entire NFL in rushing. But he was. And he was also a weapon in the passing game. 44 catches, 445 yards, four touchdowns for the season. Uh, he tied for 17th in the NFL among running backs with Isaiah Pacheco. In terms of receptions, I got to kind of sprinkle in a little bit of negativity here because if there was one issue about James Cook kind of sucked is 
some untimely drops. He dropped, literally dropped three touchdowns last season for the Buffalo Bills. That's something he's got to work on. Got to be a little more reliable with uh, the focus and the concentration because they were all passes where he was open, hit them in his hands. They weren't even tough catches to make. Dude just flat out dropped them. But anyway, that aside, I think James Cook took a major step for the Buffalo Bills this year. He's an upgrade over any running back that they've had over the last handful of years. I don't want to get too out of hand because LaShawn McCoy, when he first came here anyway, shit, he still had plenty left in the tank, and he was great. But James Cook was a very good running back for the Buffalo Bills, and you could tell, especially when Joe Brady took over the offense, that they started to have a lot more confidence in him, and he became more of a, a feature back instead of just a, a rotational back. So really good on James Cook. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, as a rookie, again, we go back to maybe a little less than a year ago. I remember mock draft season. I'd have Aaron Quinn on. We did six episodes or six weekly episodes with mock drafts, and we spent a lot of time talking about wide receiver, of course, and offensive tackle. That was primarily what we talked about with the Bills. I think everybody thought the Buffalo Bills were going to take a wide receiver or an offensive tackle with the first-round pick, and for good reasons. We knew the Bills needed another receiver, and going into the season, Spencer Brown kind of looked like a disaster in 2022. Plus, he was hurt a lot. Anyway, the Bills take a tight end in the first round. A lot of shock, a lot of dismay. I don't want to say hatred because I don't think a lot of people hated the pick. Just think a lot of people were taken back. We're surprised. Well, how are you going to really effectively use Dalton Kincaid when you already have highly paid Dawson Knox on this roster? I get it. As the season went on as, as a rookie, Kincaid became a prominent member of this passing game, a key member, almost, almost irreplaceable. Anyway, as a rookie, 73 receptions, 673 yards, and I'll tell you what, 42 yards, 42.1 yards receiving per game. And again, that was with a slow start. Early in the season, he was basically just a dump-off safety valve. By the, the midpoint towards the end of the season and then the playoffs, he became that guy who was catching important third-down slam passes, working the seam some, even sprinkled in a couple uh, tight end bubble screens to him in the playoffs that worked. He became a critical part of this offense. And if I would have told you before the season started, 73 catches for Delta Kincaid as a rookie, I think he'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who wouldn't have signed up for that. And quite frankly, if you want to sign up for that, you're, you're an idiot. Because who doesn't want a rookie... Forget tight end, rookie wide receiver, catches 73 passes. Are you kidding me? You wouldn't sign up for that. Um, anyway, he ended up tying for seventh best among all tight ends in receptions this season, not just rookies, all tight ends. And were it not for Sam Laporte at Detroit, what the numbers he put up, I think people would even be singing uh Dalton Kincaid's praises even more. Anyway, just an excellent player, man. So much to be excited about with him. And then maybe. One of the biggest surprises on this team, for me at least anyway, in my opinion this year, was the emergence of Khalil Shakir over the second half of the season. Early on, wasn't getting used much at all. Nobody at slot receiver was getting used much at all as the Bills continue to try to force that 11 personnel getting both tight ends involved and other factors. But he really came on. For the season, you look at his numbers and you're like, not all that impressive. But I'll tell you what, man, 611 yards receiving, 15.7 yards per catch from a slot receiver. Khalil Shakir had 10 catches this year of 20 or more yards. 
Over his last 10 games, 462 yards receiving, which was more than Stephon Diggs, who had 422 yards. And he did have a lot less targets, less than F. Stephon Diggs was targeted 80 times over those last 10 games for his 422. Uh, Khalil got his 462 on just 37 targets. And we can sit here and talk about their numbers and their contributions as the season wore on, all three of these guys. But you know what the best part is? Talking about the state of the Bills, being optimistic about these guys, they're all under rookie contracts. Dirt-ass cheap. Dirt-ass cheap. Dalton Kincaid is here under contract for another four years. James Cook, Khalil Shakir, they're both under contract for another two more years each. And you look at the 2024 cap hits and the Bills cap situation right now is horrible. Horrible. Some bad contracts. Some people they might have to move on from. Not, you know, just not having the flexibility to do a lot. But if you're looking for one of the biggest positives about the cap situation for the Buffalo Bills, look no further than these three dudes because combined, all three of them combined, $5.7 million total combined against the salary cap this year. Just an absolute steal. And it's nice to see young players on the Buffalo Bills step up. It just gives you a lot to be excited about. You got to figure they're going to draft a rookie rookie wide receiver some point, hopefully early in the draft. You got to hope Stefan Diggs is not washed up, but I don't think he is. Just a lot of a lot of good going on with the Bills skill, skill position players. This could become, if it wasn't at the end of this year, if these guys continue on this trajectory, this far and away will be the best set of weapons that Josh Allen's ever had to work with. So that's awesome. Uh, another thing to be really excited about and pleasantly surprised about is Terrell Bernard. This dude went from, seriously, Terrell Bernard is your answer to, yo, Terrell Bernard was freaking irreplaceable. Because most of those are true. Let's fast, or, uh, fast forward, duh. Let's rewind to around this time a year or so ago. Jermaine Emmons was coming off a very good season. In fact, I thought 2022 was the best season of Jermaine Edmonds' career. And he's hitting the market. And we were bracing, we being Buffalo Bills fans, bracing themselves for, for losing Jermaine Edmonds. Obviously, the team was as well. It wasn't a surprise that he was going to get a monster contract from somebody. Maybe a little bit of a surprise exactly how much it ended up being. He goes to the Chicago Bears. Not completely unexpected from the organization. Like I said, media content creators, fans, and so on and so forth. But throughout the process, you're like, all right, well, they're going to, you know, someone's going to pay Tremaine 15, 16, 17 million. Bills will go out. They'll sign a veteran maybe for half of that. Bobby Wagner, that type of player, mentioned over and over and over and over again, all last winter going into the spring. Well, the Bills did not sign any significant free agent linebacker. In fact, they didn't really sign any linebackers at all. Then you get to the draft and it's mock draft season. I refer to, cause I forgot about this. Um, I, I was just talking a few minutes ago about receiver and offensive tackle, throw linebacker in there too. I remember some mock drafts where we were taking Jack Campbell, Jack Campbell, Jack Campbell was going to the Buffalo bills and a lot of mock drafts because middle linebacker was the glaring need perceived for the Buffalo bills. Um, I can't remember the other guy too. He ended up going to Denver, I think, in the maybe in the second round. 
the name's escaping me. He got some burn too on Bill's mock drafts. Not as much as Jack Campbell, but he had some. Anyways, one of those two linebackers. Then the draft rolls around and the Bills say, nah, we're not taking either of those guys. They draft Dorian Williams in the third round, who uh was a he plays a missile linebacker in college, but it was apparent quickly. And they even said it, uh, Brandon Bean, I think he might have even said it right after the draft that Dorian Williams was going to start out as an outside linebacker and maybe work his way inside. Anyway, good to camp. And it's a Terrell Bernard versus Tyrell Dotson battle for the starting job. And I'm not going to lie to you folks. My initial reaction was, what are you fucking kidding me? You're going to replace Tremaine Edmonds with either Terrell Bernard or Tyrell Dotson? Come on. So you get to camp, you watch camp. And I went to, I think, six, maybe seven practices. And I saw absolutely zero from either linebacker that really stuck out. Kind of felt like Dotson was winning the job, in my eyes anyway. You get to the preseason, uh, Terrell Bernard gets an injury. I think he, I'm pretty sure he hurt his hamstring. Anyway, he didn't play in the preseason. And you get to, to week one, and Terrell Bernard's named the starting linebacker, which I laughed at. And I said, well, he didn't do shit. So I must tell you that Tyrell Dodson really sucks, man. That was my initial reaction. And then the game start. And from week one against the New York Jets, Jarrell Bernard just, I didn't want to say flash because saying somebody flash means they do something now and then. Jarrell Bernard was consistently a beast. And he's one of those playmaker types. You know, there's certain players in the NFL where they just have a knack for being around the football when it matters. And you could just tell that Terrell Bernard is that guy, whether it's an interception, whether it's being in the right place at the right time when someone else knocks the football out and you're there to pick it up, whether it's getting to the quarterback with sacks. You know, and we thought he could be decent in coverage because he's quick, he's athletic, he's undersized, he's small. But what I didn't know was how good he would be in the running game. And it's again, it's not because of his size. It's not because of his strength, but his tenacity. You can see it on film. You know, I'm not much of a film guy. I say the same shit all the time. I watch the All-22 every week, just like a lot of other content creators. But I'm not really good at noticing a lot of the little things that people like the Joe Marinos and the Eric Turners of the world do. But I'll tell you what I did notice. This, this cat's aggressive as shit, man. Getting the gaps, hitting them hard, just being so aggressive. And uh, anyway, I could go on forever, an entire episode about Terrell Bernard. 143 tackles, six and a half sacks, three interceptions, three fumble recoveries, not as a rookie, but as a second-year player, his first as a, a starter. And I just think about him and Matt Milano together now. If God willing, Matt Milano could get all the way back, not just on the field, but 100% healthy being the what he was before the London game last year, and you have him potentially for a full season with Terrell Bernard, holy shit, is that fun to think about. Terrell Bernard became, in one year, from somebody I thought that was a joke as a starter to a, an irreplaceable stud. And one last point, because I kept using that word irreplaceable here in my spiel. You saw that he was irreplaceable in the fucking playoffs against the Kansas City Chiefs, when the alternative ended up being A.J. Klein. So if you don't think Terrell Bernard was irreplaceable to the Buffalo Bills by the end of his first year as a starter, look no further 
than the AFC Divisional game against Kansas City. And I'll leave it there. In fact, I'm going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I am back here talking about some of the, this is the happy version of the state of the 2024 Buffalo Bills. I got to tell you, man, I got I got the blood flowing a little bit there when I was just talking about Jarrell Bernard. I don't think I've been more wrong, and I'm wrong a lot when my football takes, but I don't think I've been more wrong than I was thinking that Jarrell Bernard was going to be a scrub, a scrub starter. Hated the pick, hated him as a rookie. Hated him in training camp. Hated him in the preseason. And now I'm like, God, this dude's a beast. He's a beast. And I was wrong. And a lot of you were too. Difference is I'm just, I'm out of afraid to call myself out and say that I'm an idiot for thinking that he sucks when he didn't. Anyway, all right, let's continue here. Another thing I really like about State, you know, the, the Buffalo Bills right now, the depth, and we talked about it yesterday, absolutely going to take a hit. The veteran depth. There's just too many backup role player free agents out there and not the cap room to bring back that type of roster. But in terms of the starters, most of them are back. And this is a good football team. So you want to get as many starters back as you can. And in the case of the Buffalo Bills, they're getting almost all of them back. Offensive side of the ball, 10 of their 11 starters are going to be back. The only one you're going to lose is Gabe Davis. And that hurts in a way. Because Gabe Davis is far better than the numbers indicate. Gabe Davis is far better than a lot of fans give him credit for. Maybe some content creators, maybe some media too. They love Gabe Davis. There's a reason he was a captain. And his stats weren't great. And he had some bad drops and some bad moments. But he also had a lot of good plays and did a lot of things that don't show up in box scores. Anyway, him aside, all the starters are going to be back. And you're also going to have Dawson Knox back. So if you want to include him and Kincaid as half starters, whatever, I don't know you want to work it, they're going to be back. Ryan Bates, key interior offensive lineman. Assuming he is not the starter, which would mean probably bringing Mitch Morse back, he's back. But anyway, 10 starters on offense are under contract. Let's, let's leave it at that for this season. And on the defensive side of the ball, you got nine starters that are under contract. The only two... Starters on defense, not under contract, is Daquan Jones and Micah Hyde. Again, I don't want to be too uh, too bold with any predictions as I record this because 
you might not hear this for nine to 10 days before it's dropped. And who knows what might happen with the Buffalo Bills. But my mindset right now is Micah Hyde's either going to retire or finish his career somewhere else. And I think the Bills are going to make a concerted effort to bring back uh, Daquan Jones. But even as things stand right now, like I said, 10 on offense, nine on defense. You're probably down just that wide receiver two on offense, free safety and defensive tackle for now on defense. I like that. I like the continuity between starters and the staff because when I look at the Buffalo Bills and their shortcomings in the playoffs over the last couple of years, I don't think the problem is the roster. I don't think the, the problem is the talent on the roster. For me, it's finishing games. I think that's the issue. And sometimes I think this is a team that's prone to getting kind of dragged into the mud by inferior opponents, like playing down to their comp to that level of that competition against shittier teams. But to me, I think it's a I think it's a it's a very good thing that the Bills are bringing back as many starters as they are. Uh, a couple more here I got for you. This was the best, and I don't even think it's close. This was the best offensive line during the entire Josh Allen era. So Josh came in the NFL in 2018, and we just finished the 2023 season. This was the best offensive line he's ever had. And I know Deion Dawkins is the pro bowler, but I actually want to start with Spencer Brown because, again, going back, a state of the 2023 Buffalo Bills doing this a year ago, I guarantee you, I didn't do it last year, but if had I done exactly what I'm doing now, this two-part series, I could promise you Spencer Brown would have been featured prominently on the sad version of the Bills, not the happy one like today, because Spencer Brown was not good last year, two years ago, and he was hurt. His back was bad, and I remember Brandon Bead sticking up for him in press conferences, talking about the back, the injuries, and how much he still believed in him, and I'm going to be honest with you. I thought it was GM speak. I thought Brandon Bean was full of shit. I thought Spencer Brown was a glaring sore spot coming into this past season on the offense. And I was pretty pissed off, just like I was at middle linebacker. I was pretty pissed off that the Bills did nothing of any significance to bring in some legitimate competition for Spencer Brown. Just like with middle linebacker, middle linebacker, right tackle, all offseason were the two most talked about biggest needs on this roster. And the Bills did jack shit in free agency and in the draft to address them. So lots to worry about with Spencer Brown. But you know what? He was really good this season. He was healthy. He played every game. This entire offensive line played every game together. All 17, all five of them together. With all the injuries that's happened to the Buffalo Bills this season, seasons past, to not lose one member of the offensive line for even one game is goddamn remarkable. But anyway, Spencer Brown played so well. And you know how he played well? It wasn't pancake blocks that you see on tape. Like, oh, look at this run. Spencer Brown just flattens this guy. Or any shit like that. You know what it was? You weren't hearing about Spencer Brown. There weren't a lot of flags holding 79. There weren't a lot of whiffs where a, a talented pass rusher or even a shitty pass rusher would just completely blow right past him because he's too goddamn big and slow. You barely saw any of that shit this year. I thought Spencer Brown was awesome for the most part. All right, I don't want to get too ahead of myself here. I'm not saying he was like a pro bowler or an all-pro level tackle, 
but he was a damn solid starter. So that's awesome. Osiris Torrance, as a rookie, played every single snap for the season. Had some highs, had some lows. Got to assume he's going to grow from it and get better. But to get all that experience as a rookie, that was great. Um, I, I talked about Deion Dawkins. Up and down year for me, by my standards for him. That said, the Bills only had two Pro Bowlers, and he was one of them. In fact, he's the only one who's actually voted to the Pro Bowl. Stephon Diggs became an injury replacement. So Deion Dawkins is obviously thought about highly around the league. He's a pro bowler and he had a good year. Um, Connor McGovern, I think he was what we thought he was going to be. Really, really good in pass blocking. Really, really bad in run blocking. He had the 11th best grade per PFF of any guard in the NFL this season in pass blocking um, against the run, or I should say not against, but run blocking, he was only 74th out of 88 eligible guards and beyond just the starters. Again, the, this was great depth that the bills had this season. David Edwards was great, man. Um, Ryan Bates didn't even have to play, but he was a hell of a luxury to be able to have backing up the center or both guard spots if need be. Um, I'll tell you, it would be great for the bills to find a way to resign David Edwards if they can and have him back because he played a lot of snaps as that sixth offensive lineman, third tight end, whatever you want to call it, basically the 2022 upgraded version of Bobby Hart. And the Bills certainly look committed to, to having more balance, running the football more, and it just seemed to work for them. So I'd love to have him back. But regardless, the offensive line was healthy. The offensive line played together every game, and this was the best offensive line that Josh Allen um, has ever had. Three more things I got here for you. One of them is Sean McDermott. I feel like there was a shift this season, at least in the back half of the season, with Sean McDermott. And let me be completely open and honest with you folks. I was calling for him to get fired multiple times. Never thought it was going to happen. Never thought it was going to happen. There was no way he was ever going to get fired this season because his track record has been too good. And I still believe in my heart of hearts that Terry Bagula, why wants to win a championship? I mean, what, what owner doesn't want to win a championship, right? But to me, just being competitive and being there year after year, that's what Terry Bagula wants more than anything. Except, well, I don't say more than anything. He wants a championship more than anything. But he's satisfied with this team just being good. And Sean McDermott has been good. The Bills have won a lot of games. All these years consecutively making the playoffs, 10 win seasons. So he was never going anywhere. But I thought Sean McDermott sucked for the, the first half of the season. I do. I blame him for a lot of shit. That team opening week against the Jets was not ready to play. And I'm not just going to put it on him. I put that on Josh Allen because Josh Allen sucked against the New York Jets. But they weren't ready to play. They were flat in London. You lost to Matt Jones. That can never happen. You lost to Mac freaking Jones. You should have lost to Tyrod Taylor and the New York Giants. You scored 14 points at home on Sunday Night Football against the lowly ass at the time, New York Giants. Barely win. You could have lost against Tampa in prime time. Got a little bit lucky that um, Godwin didn't look up, see that pass interference. Kind of blew that game. You blew the Denver game. Literally, the game was over. You missed a field goal. Sean McDermott used two timeouts to reset that defense near the end. And they only had, or you still had 12 guys come on the field. 
Somebody didn't get off. You didn't communicate with your special teams coach. That's coaching. That's terrible. I hated the short leash he had on that game with James Cook. And then the Philly game. The Philly game was what did it for me. Completely, I was over Sean McDermott. I, I was ready for him to be gone after the Philly game. Just the coaching, coaching scared. Not giving Josh Allen, wasting a timeout before a 59 and a half yard field goal in the goddamn rain. 20 some seconds left. You don't even want to give your, your stud quarterback an opportunity to try to win the game. You could talk about not going for it in overtime, even though it was fourth and eight or whatever. You know, you can't stop Jalen Hurts. Your defense hadn't made a stop. So I was over Sean McDermott, man. I was ready to, to have him fired. If it was up to me. He would have been shit canned. But some turn. And I don't want to keep talking about it over and over and over and over again, but I just think it was a poor part of the season. That Tyler Dunn series drops. Heat's on. Players rally around him. He uh, he addresses the 9-11 stuff. They go out. They beat the Chiefs on the road. The locker room scene afterwards, Brandon Bean giving Sean McDermott the game ball. Terry Begluter smiling. You could tell how play or fired up the players were for him. I think that changed Sean McDermott. I do. I really do. I think from that point on, too, Sean McDermott was a lot more aggressive going for it on fourth and one because he would trust Josh Allen to get that yard, whether it was early in the game, late in the game, whether the ball was at the, the opponent 30-yard line or whether the ball was at his own 30-yard line. He trusted his offense to get that yard. The fake punt, a lot of people hate on him for the fake punt. I don't hate the call at all. I don't hate the decision. The execution sucked. Maybe if three guys don't fucking miss their block, Maybe DeMar Hamlin at least has a chance to pick the ball up or get the first out, I should say. I was good with Sean McDermott at the end of the season. When I go through my list of reasons why the Bills can't get over to Kansas City Chiefs, no, let me take that back. Why they didn't get over to Kansas City Chiefs in this specific game, Sean's not one and Sean's not number two on that either anymore. So I think you should be encouraged and you know feel a little bit promising right now about the job that Sean McDermott did uh, in the back half of the season. And I think what happened to him, just, I don't know. I think maybe this team rallied around him and maybe they, he maybe treats the players a little bit differently now. Maybe he'll treat his coaches a little bit differently right now, which more on that in a second with the point that I think is a really good thing. But you know what? Let's get to it now. I've said all I can say about Sean McDermott. One of the things, the criticism about him was how incredibly hard he is to work for or work with and how people can't wait to get out and go get other jobs. Well, I'm excited as a Bills fan. I think a reason the happy version here, State of the Bills, is I love their coordinators. I'm glad they got Joe Brady. They removed the interim tag. I was a little concerned. I know he interviewed for, I think he interviewed for one head job, head coaching job, maybe Atlanta. I don't remember. But anyway, to have him back as OC, I like it because you've seen his body of work. You've seen what he could do calling plays. When the Bills promoted Ken Dorsey after Dable left, Ken Dorsey hadn't called plays. So there was a lot of unknown. I don't think there's as much unknown with Joe Brady. And if I have one criticism of what Joe Brady did as a coordinator, it was not finding a way to get Stefan Diggs more involved. That said, he took over midseason. Now he's got an entire offseason to figure out all the weaponry he has and also how to feature Stefan Diggs more effectively. And I think he'll do that. And then I'm really excited about the defensive uh, coordinator, Bobby Babich. I talked to a player and he told me within two years, he predicts that Bobby Babich will be an NFL head coach within two years. And he wasn't joking either. 
there were three other teams, uh, Green Bay, Giants, Miami, that wanted to interview him. And I was a little concerned that Sean McDermott was willing to let him walk. Eric Washington went to the Bears. So maybe Eric Washington went to the Bears because he knew something was going to happen with Bobby Babbage. But anyway, I really like these coordinators. Uh, they're young. They're well-respected. Um, they're accomplished. And said, so with the case of Bobby Babbage, he's been with McDermott since day one here. And he worked with the safeties. And he helped Jordan Poyer and Mike I get to another level. Then he takes over the linebackers in 2022. Matt Milano becomes an all-pro. We all saw what Terrell Bernard did this year. I'm really excited about it. Don't know if he's going to call plays. Quite frankly, at this point, I really don't care. I'm actually going to trust Sean McDermott. If Sean wants to keep calling plays, I'm going to trust it. If Sean wants to hand over play calling duties to Bobby Babbage, I'm going to trust it. I don't think Sean McDermott was bad at calling plays. So I'm not really even concerned about that. I'm just glad that they got Babbage on his staff because I think he's a big asset. And then the final thing, I mean, I say that all the way to the very end and not much of a surprise here, but Josh Allen, man, Josh Allen at the end of the 2023 season, my expectation going into 2024, Josh Allen is still an MVP caliber football player. I don't give a shit that he make it pro bowl. I don't give a shit that he wasn't an all pro Josh Allen is MVP caliber. And I want to be really clear right now. If the Buffalo Bills win two more games during the regular season, like if they beat the New England Patriots, which the offense left the field with under two minutes left and a lead, if they beat the Patriots and they win one other game at some point, the Philly game, they left the Philly of the field, the offense with a lead inside of two minutes as well. They lost both those games. Bills win both those games. I think they end up getting the number one seed. They do. With those two games, Josh Allen's winning MVP. That's where I'm going here. If the Bills win two more games, Josh Allen wins the 2023 MVP and not Lamar Jackson. And yes, I know about the interceptions. And yes, they were maddening. Yes, they were frustrating. Yes, I was swearing at my television, just like a lot of you. Terrible, terrible turnovers from Josh Allen at times. There were problems, no denying that. But everything he does more than outweighs that. 44 touchdowns, total touchdowns, firing away the most among all players in the NFL. Obviously, quarterbacks, uh, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott were next with 38 each. He just, and he played better down the stretch. And the turnovers weren't a big issue either down the stretch when the Bills started winning all those games. and. He wasn't perfect against the Chiefs in the playoffs. You know, you, you wish that he could have gotten a little more on that football and hits Khalil Shakir with a touchdown with a minute 40 some left. And then you roll the dice that the defense can make a stop. But I thought Josh Allen played well enough to, to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, which a year ago when the Bills lost to the Cincinnati Bengals, there was a litany of reasons why the Bills lost that game. And one of them was because Josh Allen did not play well. Josh Allen sucked against the Bengals. He sucked. He didn't play well enough to beat the Bengals. He didn't deserve better than what he got. This time around, this year, I think Josh Allen deserved better than what he got from that Kansas City Chiefs game. You always got a chance to win when Josh Allen is your quarterback and he's on the field. And I think we also take it for granted, as big as physical as he is, we take it for granted that Knock on wood, the dude just don't miss games. He's available. He plays every week. 
He plays every week. And I've said that I thought the Super Bowl window is going to remain open, but I don't think it was ever more wide open than it has been these past couple of years. That said, the window ain't shutting because Josh Allen is your quarterback. So, look, man, the Buffalo Bills are a good football team. This is going to be an interesting offseason. It's going to be different because money is going to truly play a factor into what they can or what they can't do. Starting, actually, probably now, starting now, between roster cuts, restructures, stuff like that, it's going to be a really, really interesting and significant and critical offseason for the Buffalo Bills. But anyway, this is a, this is a team that that is very capable of winning, mainly for, and not limited to, but mainly for the reasons that I just laid out on this episode. Anyway, that is going to do it for this episode. One more time, thank you very much for watching, for listening, for following, for subscribing. I truly appreciate you all. By the time you're hearing this, I'm actually back in Buffalo. I'll be back in the studio, and I'll be back making uh, some time-sensitive episodes here going forward. Talk to you tomorrow, guys. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.